All right, that's Gersh Kunstman and, Vin- and Vince Demas. I don't even, I, I can't even start the show like that. That song was so low, Vince. I don't know what happened. I don't know. Jimmy, our producer, just, I, I got so stymied. And I was on Twitter and, and trying to make a thing. Anyway, let's start over here. Turn it up. It's Gersh Kunstman and Vince DiMaselli, stars and co-hosts and friends at Brooklyn Paper Radio, recording live, of course, every week from downtown Brooklyn, America's downtown. And you know, Vince, every week I start the show and I say, we got a big show. But this Great, week, big show, big show, really big show, because mm-hmm. we got James Hook, who's going to be joining us. Now, you know, James, he's the- He's a two-timer. He's a two- That's right. First two-timer. That's the first two-timer, but he's a two-timer. First two-timer in studio. Yeah. James Hook is the legendary Iron Man of Greenpoint, and he's going to be telling us all about his Greenpoint Gratitude Tour, where he is going to be ironing your, and when I say your, I mean my shirts, Tuesday night at Pete's Candy Shop. We're going to talk to him in a minute. And, of course, we're going to bring Councilman Brad Lander, another regular friend of the paper, going to be on the show to talk about what else Donald J. Trump. I thought he was going to talk about Brad Lander. No, no, no. no. Trump is in his sights right now, and he's a councilman from Brooklyn, mm. and so that makes all the sense in the world. Now, I wouldn't be, I'd be remiss if I didn't lean over to my handsome man on my right, Vince DiMaselli, my co-host. <laughs> now I'm your handsome man. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. And say, and say to you, Vince, how you doing? What's up? I'll tell you, I get two, I can, we can go two ways here. We can go iPhone or we can go pair. What do you want to do? You let's, go, let's go pair. I don't care about the iPhone. Okay, so here's what happens. I'm driving into work today, all right? And when I was a little boy growing up on Staten Island, I once went to Rocco's Pizzeria. I like Rocco's. With my uh, parents over there. at the Back then it was at the Greenwich, uh, the Greenwich Mall, whatever. So we're in at Greenwich, we used to call it, right? I, I thought we were talking about a pair. I'm going to get to that. Okay. So I, we're, I'm eating pizza, mm. right? And we just come back from vacation. I'm eating pizza. And a big chunk of cheese on the pizza gets lodged in my throat. Mm. And I did the – this is back – when I did the universal sign for Trump. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is it pre high maneuver? Yeah. Is, is this mic on? Yeah, I don't know what's going on. That what's was James on? Hook, by the way, the Iron Man of Greenpoint. Right. We're having some uh, technical difficulties today. What's going on, Jimmy? All right, yeah, he's giving me the thumbs up. All okay. right. <laughs> so I put a universal sign for Trump. My dad just happened to be, he was a cop. He just happened to be trained in the Heimlich maneuver, mm. which was very big back then. Yeah, what would he have done if he had not been trained? He would have watched me die. Yeah. No, no, that's when they take a steak knife to your throat and they cut a tracheotomy. <laughs> Emergency no, no, tracheotomy. No, no, they used to slam you on the back they until you vomited or something like no, that. No, that made it worse sometimes. I don't whatever. So he comes around. He does the Heimlich maneuver. Nice. And shoots this slice of this piece of uh, cheese. It wasn't even pizza. It was just cheese. Mm. Mozzarella. It's very stringy. Said. It's very stringy. It was very. It was a glob of it. And it landed on this woman's foot. Nice. I love it like across the room. Nice. All right, but where are you going with I'm this? I'm going to finish the story. So now I come back out, right? And <laughs> I come back out. I come out of the bathroom after I wash up, and I go to eat my pizza, and I got a round of applause from everyone in the in the, in the the restaurant. Sounds like a Bronx cheer. But they? since then, I've had this fear of choking ah. when either, A, I don't have a glass of water nearby, or my dad's not around. Mm. If my dad's of, around, I will eat anything. Fear of choking on food, we're talking on, on about. On food, of course. Okay, because right. you know you never choke on the radio. You're, no. You're, you're the best. No, no. Okay, keep going. So, <laughs> I, I'm coming in today in the car, and I'm eating a pear. A pear? I'm eating the pear. Yeah, it's good road food. Right? And I'm just chewing. And it wasn't like these like soft, delicious pears. Which probably could have waited another day. You know, it's a little hard. Well, you know I go to saying? the Park Slope Food Co-op, so everything's fresh. All right. Well, I'm not saying it wasn't fresh. It might oh. have been too fresh. Okay. Okay? So, I'm, I'm chewing on the pear, and all of a sudden, I'm just like... And I didn't have any water with me or anything. And I'm like, ah, ah, I'm choking on the pear. Sure. So I get it. Like, <laughs> like you know? And you I get it. Did, you, did you self-heimlich? It, sounded like it wasn't like a self-heimlich. I started to panic, which, of course, you <laughs> never do. That's the first rule. If you're going to die choking, die choking calm and cool. Could you have just slammed on the brakes really hard? <laughs> That's possible. And because then if someone rear-ended you, that would be the Heimlich maneuver. <laughs> I could very okay. well. So here's what happens. It com- I get it out like... Oh, spoiler a, spoiler alert, he's not dead because he's on the radio. I right made I made no no I got I got it out. So I survived the I survived the uh, choking. But then I'm I'm eating the apple the pear again. Wait a minute, hold on. You went back to the pear? I'm going right back to it. All right. I'm not I'm hungry. I'm driving to work. I'm hungry. Fair enough. I go back to the pear. Yeah. I, and it was this time it was like a piece of the skin of the pear. Okay. That got lodged in my throat. Wait, literally lodged? <laughs> literally lodged. Which is like a killer I'm pear. Swerving. <laughs> what highway was this? It's on uh, the Gowanus Expressway. It's the highway of death. It is. <laughs> death <laughs> pair. And again, I got like, <laughs> I got to like get it out, cough it, the spit, I spit whatever was out the window, and I got it out. I survived. Well, you look great. Well, thank you. And then guess what I did? What'd you do? 
I finished the pair. No, you, you showed that pair who's boss. Yeah, Your right. life insurance rates are going to go through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. As long as you, long as you just keep vegetable products away from Vince, I think you'll be fine. Vegetables and pizza. Well, the thing about Vince, J- James, you need to know this. The thing about Vince, he always starts the show with a story. But And I usually defer, yeah. but I actually have a great story. Really? You ready for this? I find this hard to believe. James, you don't know this, but I do home exchanges so I can travel the world and not pay for lodging. So I exchange apartments with people all over the world. I had... A, p- a pair of Germans in my apartment since December 23rd. A pair again. A pair, yes. <laughs> These, the, uh, that's different spelling, but to yeah. Germans it probably sounds the same. Anyway, I have not slept in my apartment since December 22nd. Now, let the record show it is January, what is it? January 5th. It's January 5th. So, tonight was going to be the night. I'm going back to my apartment after the show. This is it. The Germans are gone. Mm. They've, they've, they've retreated from the Anschluss, and they're gone. So I'm, all I'm thinking about is going home and making myself my spicy tuna. Because everybody loves my spicy tuna, right? Mm-hmm. Nice. Who doesn't like your spicy tuna? But I haven't been home. So two days ago, I bought the tuna at the co-op during my shift and put it at my work freezer. I work at the New York Daily News, everybody. Yeah. You're welcome. I work yeah. at the Daily News. All right. Today I go to retrieve my, my uh, tuna because I want to go home after the show and cook the tuna. And guess what happened? It's, I'm guessing it's not there. The tuna's not there. Oh, my God. All this right. is the Daily News tuna thief. So I sent this. This is front page news. Well, Gersh. it will be after I read this. It will be after I read this. Because this is what I sent in an office memo to everyone on staff. All right. So wait. You find out that it's gone. It's you gone. go back to your desk. You're angry. Oh, I'm very angry. Never write when you're angry. I always say that. Yeah, that is true. Or write That's when it. you're angry, but don't send. You always said, make love in email Make hell on the phone. That's, a, that's yeah. exactly what he's I right. said. He's right. He's right. I always said that. And Donald one. Trump has a different version of that, but we'll talk about that later. Anyway, okay. so I was angry. I was angry. James, maybe I let the anger get the better. I'm going to read it to you. Let's go. Dear colleagues, someone stole two fairly expensive tuna steaks from the freezer on the far side of the break room between Tuesday morning when I put them there and Thursday morning when I sought to retrieve them. I left them there assuming that none of my coworkers would steal food. It's particularly distressing to me because both steaks were tainted with botulism. I had put them in the freezer so that they could easily be shipped for testing at a lab. If you took them, I sincerely hope you didn't eat them. If you get sick, I'm really sorry. I probably should have labeled the samples better. That said, it's probably not. It's probably best not to take stuff that doesn't belong to you out of the fridge. That's good. Now that was, was good, right? Little I like botulism. It. No, good. I like. I like how you did it. Now, what was the what was the reaction to this? Well, the reaction was international. Uh, I'm getting emails from people because everybody tweeted it after I did that. Oh, so immediately tweeted. It's, it's not com- like the old days yeah. when they would just destroy the letters. Well, a politician would just burn a letter. Did yeah. anyone realize they could just buy you new tuna steaks and you'd stop the whole thing and shut up? No, because I'd already sent the letter. Oh, That's oh the thing. God. Now, here's so a couple of people thought the botulism joke was real. So I got some emails from actually fairly credible reporters. Just, I mean, that's just terrible. Fairly credible reporters saying, oh, let's wait and see who gets sick. It's like, dude, it's a joke. I'm just trying to be an asshole. Basically. And did you find a mole? Was there a mole? In no, the no. Ranks? So we, we have no leads. We have no. We have. We have no proof. We have got no, no evidence. No leads. So James, you're a, a, a inveterate Brooklynite. Yes. What would you do? What would you have done? Uh, you know, my my immediate thing would be to have to have opened the fridge and taken away everybody else's food. And said, I refuse to ah, return this until that? somebody returns my food. I'm going to force the same suffering upon everybody else that they forced on me. Yeah, I, I, for an an eye. Eye. Mm. yeah I don't know. So anyway, I don't know because it seems like that's the punishment doesn't fit the crime there because the person whose stuff is in the fridge was not necessarily the perp. Well, what's the rule in, in your fridge? Does it get cleaned out after uh, on certain days? Is it possible that maybe they just came in and uh, no. everything was cleaned out? I know out? as a fact it wasn't because the rest of the groceries, including the bok choy that I make and the hot sauce that I use and a mango, were still in the fridge. Now, well, how about this? How about, a, how about a long, a very long game wherein you put tuna in the fridge serially over a bunch of months, put things that have tuna in them and see what goes missing serially and build a small sense of evidence, an evidentiary case against the, all that tuna stuff going missing. It'll lead you to the perpetrator. Are you saying that I only, I put tuna, I put steak and I see what the person likes? Is that what you're No, no, I just, you know they like tuna, right? They so love it's gonna tuna. Take, it's going to take a little bit of an investment to find this person. You're going to invest in tuna over the course of six months and they'll I serially seal that. it. Yeah, you I can, can expense that. that. Well, that's a good piece of advice from James Hook. Now, before we move on, and James, you're here to talk about the Greenpoint Gratitude Tour. I know that. But we got to talk resolution time. It's, a, it's the first issue. It's our first show New of the year. New Year's resolution. New Year's resolution. I got a bunch of them. Uh-huh. Now, James, like you, I was called by the Brooklyn paper this week to share with uh, reporter Colin Mixon my New Year's resolution. By the way, you will get a follow-up call on December 31st. Yeah, to see how I did. Yeah. All right, so, James, I want you to know what he, he said. Hey, Gersh, what's your, e- what's your New Year's resolution? I wrote this. Oh, and he said, oh, in his email he said, oh, but it can't be sexual. Now, James, 
I mean, come on. I mean, that's no, impossible. It's impossible to have a yeah, resolution. Your New Year's resolution sexual. is your New Year's resolution. Well, so I wrote, I wrote back to Mixon, who's listening right now, and if he is, he should come in. Sexuality is what separates human beings from lower animals who feel neither desire nor gratification and higher forms of life higher forms of life who merely fornicate with little regard for his partner's pleasure. As humans, we both lust and love, and that is what makes us great. And that is the sole resolution we should all, as a species and as, and as individuals, make to banish inhibition, to conquer guilt, to abandon fear, and to strengthen the bonds of affection among every person on the planet. And so when I wrote that, James, yeah. Mixon said, you know what? You can go sexual if you want. Okay, so it's a slightly self-serving resolution, well, is it not? No, uh, now here's the resolution. So now we can all resolve. I, Gersh Kunstman, vow to fight societal inhibition and small-minded guilt as I encourage my fellow humans to pursue all the earthly pleasures due to them as life forms at the zenith of evolution. And yes, I am talking about what we do in the bedroom. You are welcome, world. Hmm. So where are you on that one, James? Well, so they also called me and asked for my resolution. What was yours? What was well, yours? I said, you know, that, that uh, the feeling that the world is getting worse and worse is just nothing more than a sign of aging, probably. So I resolve in what's likely to be a bleak year to age backwards and to notice how many things are actually getting better and better and to use sort of a hopeful form of jujitsu to turn the negative energy of our nation's political climate against itself and engage in community-building energies and small actions, which I can actually affect and then I also want to stop social smoking because wow. I still am kind of addicted to that. And let the record show he was not reading that. That was that was verbatim right there. He that pulled, was fantastic. He pulled that out of his head there. Oh, yeah, actually, it was sort of because you were reading yours, Gersh. Well, no, here's the thing. I like James's resolution. It's a tikkunolam kind of thing, right? Yeah, tikkunolam. That tikkun means the bell, I believe, in Hebrew. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, well, 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 that's no small. That's no small. That's no small skill. <laughs> All right, so, James, I like what you had to say. I really did, because the world is actually getting better. It will get better, I believe, as long as we open our eyes to that possibility. Indeed. Vince, what's your resolution? Uh, I'm just going to stay awesome. Yeah, you don't, you resolve not to change a thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to change anything, no. Just going to keep doing it. Yeah, going to keep doing it. Where were you on my resolution about, uh, you know, banishing social inhibition and small-minded guilt? Well, I kind of thought about it, and I happened to be in the Daily News uh, break room the other day. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, if I bring home these uh, tuna steaks I found here, my wife might, might help with her inhibitions. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, so I serve that up. So you read my resolution as, a, as an okay to steal the tuna steaks. Basically, Because yeah. you wanted to break down the inhibitions of your wife. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, it would, it would be just, it would be turnabout is fair play. Mm -hmm. We got to get out. We got to get out. Anyway, we talked about resolutions. We talked about my tuna steaks. Now we got James Hook. Now, James... You've said a couple of things on air already. You're obviously very eloquent. You've got a great radio voice. But tell us why you are here. What starts on so, Tuesday in Greenpoint? Well, it started actually uh, last night. All right, well, uh, I know. Tuesday last week. Okay. So for the month of January, the the North Brooklyn Ironers Union, mm. which is, you know it's real because we have badges and buttons. Sure. It's and we are going to be... It's an important part uh, of unionization. It is an button. important part. We have we have meetings every, uh, every second Sunday in the basement of the Diamond. There's actually going to be one this Sunday at 7 p.m. How many members of that union? There's about three so far, but we're... You know we're in the long game, and I think it's going to grow into a massive, uh, you know, a massive union that has political clout. Mm -hmm. But essentially, during the month of January, we will be uh, going to different bars all across Brooklyn, North Brooklyn, I should say, Greenpoint specifically, mm -hmm. and ironing the public's clothes for free every night from 9 p.m. to midnight. Whoa, so whoa, whoa! Let's slow it down. Faithful listeners of the show will remember James came on and actually ironed my shirts. Actually, and, most of mostly mine. Jimmy, let the record show that I am now. I have my shirt off. Just because I can. James is not ironing here for us because he's already done that service. Yeah. Tell us what you bring to the. You could do shirts, pants. You can bring anything. I mean, anything. We, we reserve the right to refuse it, but so far we've never been. We've never met a, a piece of clothing we couldn't iron. No one brought in anything that you were like, get that. Iron. No, and you know we wouldn't do criminal stuff. I mean, well, what about like a Confederate flag? A Confederate flag. You know, we'll bring it in, and uh, you know, we'll, I mean, we'll we'll do it. It's a, it's a chance to meet you and get to know why sure, you have this Confederate sure. flag. Maybe you have a real reason to press it. I don't know. We're not going to pass judgment, but uh, you know, but Vince is long, long long-distant relative uh, Vince Beauregard de Maselli was actually in this Civil War. So, I mean, that's fair, right? How about, that's how about, like, a, how about like a KKK mask? Yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, we'll, we will reserve the right to refuse it. It's but called, I, you know, ultimately, it's called a hood, Vince. Is that what that is? That's how, that's how far Vince is from the alt-right white supremacist movement. He doesn't even know what the garments are called. Yeah. I mean, you have to wear your KKK rag a lot to get it wrinkled. Yeah. So somebody who's coming in is a suspect person to begin with. So, you know, we might, we might that's refuse a good point. to iron them. That's a good point. If you're riding on a horse, things are going to get wrinkled. Like, I, I have that feeling. They don't know, I, don't, I only think the top-level guys ride on horses. They have yeah. Okay. I mean, that's birth of a nation. I don't know. That's and, you know, at this point, it's probably all permapress. And that's one of the few things that we don't like to 
iron. We don't like to go low. Well, but when they on, go they, low, we go high. They, That's what they, say. they no, burn they crosses, though, so I would think that they would not wear permanent press because ah, it would get all kind of... Fire hazard. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So it was treated. During the month of January, every Tuesday, 9 to midnight, bring your clothes in. This Tuesday, it's going to be Pete's Candy Store. Tuesday after that is TBA, I think, uh, Brooklyn Brewery. But then we got a... A place called Le Gamin on oh, uh, Franklin Street, and yeah. then Troost Cafe. Uh, I'll be there with friends. Also, one of the points of this tour is to tr- basically ironing is one of these things that suffers from having a poor definition. It's defined right now as a pu- as a private chore, sure. you know, and that just means it's an annoying thing you got to do around your house. If you simply take ironing and put it in a different category and say it's a public benefit. It, it achieves all these wonderful, fun things. Like you can do it in a bar. The people who are doing it feel like they're kind of in some kind of a weird art movie, like a Hong mm-hmm. Kong art film. You're standing in a bar. You're listening to great music. You're ironing people's shirts. Um, and so as we do this, we give people the chance to participate. People can iron their own clothes if they want. They can choose to listen along to music as you iron. It's a pretty sensual experience if you really think about it, to be surrounded by this steam and this heat in this bar in the middle of winter. And then at the end, you put on this nice warm shirt if you chose to have the shirt yeah, off your clothing iron. Or if you chose to simply bring your uh, clothes to be ironed, you go home with a basket full of f- freshly pressed clothes. You get to go out. You get to have a beer. You get to meet your friends. So, well, you know, I may bring a date to this, by the way. Abs- in fact, I recall the last shirt that I ironed was right before you went on some sort of a date to the, uh, to the, to the, you know, the Brooklyn uh, – What's the big stadium there? Yeah, on, on yeah that didn't that, that relationship didn't work didn't out. Work thanks out, for yeah. thanks for putting some salt on that open wound there, James. Mm, I excellent. appreciate that. But oh. this would be a, a date with a different lady. Okay. So thank that's you. One that. of the problems I have getting out. One of the reasons I don't go out is because I don't have an iron shirt, and I, I don't have the time or the or the inclination. So to listen, iron. if you if you want to wear a wrinkled shirt, we have robes. You can wear a robe while we have a robe. Yeah, that's you can put nice. on a robe, and then you can put see? on your freshly ironed shirt. Oh yeah, that's full service. But not, now, not only are we ironing clothes, we're also trying to grow the union here. So what we've realized is that ironing there's a there's a sort of Benevolent triangle trade whereby, you know, the bar gets an ironer, the public gets his clothes ironed, and the people who love ironing, of which I think there are, are legion, just like me, get to go to a bar, do what they love, and drink a beer and meet interesting new people through the medium of ironing, which is, it always turns out to be interesting. So uh, if you think that that describes you, then I encourage you to come to the Diamond on Sunday to our uh, our union meeting. You'll get a button, you'll get a badge, you'll learn how to do this, and then you can try You road test your skills at one of our Tuesday night ironing events, and we'll see how far we can grow this. My point is ultimately to, to make Brooklyn a place where people, you know, 20 years from now are shocked there was ever a time that there wasn't ironing in public bars. Oh, wow. Mm. That would but be now this is sounding kind of to me like some kind of Tom Sawyer scam. Where they, no, I'm having fun whitewashing this Yeah, fence. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, yeah, oddly enough, when I tend to bring my clothes to be ironed, people say, I want to get in on that, and they do it. And you go home mm-hmm. and you realize, like, not only did I get my clothes ironed, I didn't even have to iron most of them. Mm-hmm. I hung out at a bar by myself. But, you know, I'm willing to iron anything. I mean, I'm, the iron is going from 9 o'clock till midnight. It does not shut off. So well, I mean, le- and we've been again, busy. Vince, let the record show. He ironed our clothes, and he did a great job. Oh, they they can't. I still have a whole bunch of them in my locker here. Oh, well, I'd like to. And I, sometimes I come in and I put it on. Yeah. The other thing, you know, uh, one guy brought me a shirt. He said, my ex-girlfriend gave me this shirt, and I just want you to burn the hell out of wow. it. Wow. I, I want you to iron it until it burns. Can you still do that now? I thought the irons, that's, they have these protections. No, that's like, that's like revenge ironing. It's like revenge ironing. No, it's pretty hard. You got It takes about 25 or 30 minutes. So, you know, you have to. Really? You know, yeah. So you got to hold it down there and make sure it doesn't shut off. Exactly, and you got to don't they shut off after a certain? period? No, no, you can get the old kind ones that you know these fire hazard you irons. Have some that old they, they still irons. they still sell them in strange stores down well, on Canal this, Street. If this is going to be Williamsburg and Greenpoint, and these guys are a bunch of hipsters, they probably have one of those literally iron irons that you heat up. Or you right? pour hot coals in the top of it. Yeah, you actually yeah. go get hot coals. Wow. You know. Yeah. So coal well, I like irons. what you're doing, and I got to tell you something. A lot of people sit there and they argue and they fail to support hipsters, but. James, you're making a strong argument that you go to Pete's Candy Store. I'm going to go on Tuesday. You go, you hear some great music, you get a shirt ironed, and frankly, it's a great place. It's and great you place. have a, you listen, it's the most intimate experience you can have with your clothing is to have it ironed by someone. Or, or, and you, you join along, you listen to this music. and So uh, that's what we're encouraging is, a, is, a, is a, an experience that is very sensual, that's very physical. And you're going to have it with your clothing. You're going to appreciate your shirt more because you've actually taken the time to have it ironed in public. I mean, I love the sound of it. Listen, it James, seems like you've thought a lot about it, though. Well, hold on, James. There's a lot gonna, going into this. We're going to come back and talk to James in a minute. we got to pay some bills, James, because you know ironing and radio doesn't pay for itself. So, Jimmy, we're going to put a little commercial music on it. And, and, James, I'm going to ask you right off the bat, start with it. When was the last time you saw a high-quality dentist who was also affordable? Ah, I'm answering this right now? Yeah, you answer it. It's not rhetorical, baby. Well, listen, uh, being on Medicaid, high quality has never been a strong suit of mine. Okay. But affordable, absolutely. Okay, good. So you so you got the affordability, but not the quality. Yeah, hard, thing, hard things to find together. You I gotta mix part, it up. You I live in Park Slope. I've lived in Brooklyn Heights. I've had the high quality. I never had the affordability. Well, 
Now I look no further than Dr. Joseph Lichter. He's in Midwood. He's got a state-of-the-art office with up-to-date technology and techniques to provide you the best experience possible. And I'll give you a couple of examples, James. Porcelain veneers, implants, crowns, fixed bridges, Invisalign, the adult dentures that go behind your teeth. Nobody even knows you have them. Normally $5,000. You mentioned Gersh Kunstman, Vince DiMaselli, James Hook, or Brooklyn Paper Radio. It's $4,000. Uh, Zoom whitening, fraction of the pennies you pay elsewhere. Anyway, call Dr. Joseph Lichter today at 718-339-7878 to set up your appointment. He's out there at 1420 Avenue P in Midwood, and you can always visit him online at www.josephlichterdds.com. Oh, yeah, it's great. Love that guy. Well, you got your teeth all cleaned up, all ready to go. And when they're ready to go, you're going to go to Atlas Steakhouse. Because Atlas Steakhouse offers a, select, a selection of premium cuts aged on site for perfect texture and taste. Atlas Steakhouse has an extensive list of vintage wines. There are expertly mixed classic and signature cocktails. Love it. Signature appetizers guaranteed to stimulate your palate. And Atlas Steakhouse, your choice cut steak is crafted into a culinary masterpiece just for you. There are delightful desserts, each sweeter than the last. Yeah, James, you know how they do that? Each each dessert is sweeter than the last. So they more sugar every time it comes out? No, it's just like they stack them on a tray and they just stack them one and you have, so you have to just know where you are. It's like, oh, I don't really want something that sweet. Just start to pick that first one. It's like the sweet level. Oh. It starts with sweet and then it starts with, and then it ends with sweeter than the last. So it's, a, it's not like a bell curve. It's more like a hyperbolic curve. It's going right up. Going right up. Gotcha. <laughs> Atlas Steakhouse is a completely unique dining experience. Atlas Steakhouse at 943 Coney Island Avenue in up-and-coming Dipmas Park. Find them online all the time at atlassteak.com. Now, last last uh, little bit of paid business we have to do. Uh, James, you mentioned you're on Medicaid. Oh, yes, absolutely. That's awesome. I swear by it. Well, let me tell you something. And you look great, by the way. I don't think you're getting any younger, though. Yeah, and don't look at my teeth. I won't. So, do you know what's possible when healthcare gets personal? And I'm talking about Village Care Max. Village Care Max is for you because it's a Medicaid-managed long-term plan that lets you stay at home and in your community for as long as possible. Because a lot of people are going to want to throw you in an old age home. Not, not Village Care Max. No. Village Care Max has a team of healthcare professionals that work with your doctor. They monitor your medications. They set up your appointments. And as a member, your care manager will visit your home to guide you and your family toward the best care available. Working together, your healthcare team will help you obtain the care you need so you can live the life you want. Now that's the key, because that's villagecaremax.org slogan. Live the life you want to live. So call them, 800-469-6292, or as I said, villagecaremax.org. .org, huh? We paid some bills. Good job, Jimmy. Is that Johnny or Jimmy? That's Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. All right, we got to get back to the show. We're, again, if you're just joining us, why? <laughs> Second of all, if you were just joining us, we got James Hook, who is the, the, the I would say, like the right hand of the Greenpoint Gratitude Tour, which is uh, the North Brooklyn Ironers Union's a little bit of a celebration this month, celebrating public ironing. Absolutely. And, and he's he's been on the show before. I got my shirt off because he, he was ironing it earlier uh, on an earlier show, and I decided not to put it back on. And it's been, that, that show was about four months ago, so you've been shirtless for a good four months, I'd say. <laughs> they call me Shirtless Gersh Kunstman. We've already talked about our New Year's resolutions. We've talked about the theft of tuna from the Daily News freezer today. We're going to be talking to Brad Lander a little later about Donald Trump. But now I want to go in the papers with my Ooh. special in the papers music. Morning papers, Gersh. Sorry. I read the morning papers. I got to tell you something. There is no bigger story... When the news gets personal, James, when the news gets personal, we get newsy. Yep. We, we people get newsy. So I'm going to call out to Max Yeager and get him in here because he's get got him a in big here. story. Get him in here. You know Max Yeager's an editor over here? What time are we going, Lander? Oh, Max, Max Yeager, it's Gersh Kunstman here. How you doing? I hope you'll come on the show and talk to us about your big story. I'm coming right in. Oh, this is big. Brad Lander is set to call at around 530, which okay. will be the last 15 minutes of the show will be devoted to politics and excitement. But right now, James, we're bringing him in. This is when news gets personal. In the person of news, Max Yeager. Max Yeager. Max Yeager, an editor over here at CNG. Uh, the Brooklyn Daily is his ballywick. And you had some big news this week. Now, we talked earlier about Max. We've talked about your relationships. We've talked about your guitar playing. Banjo playing. 
banjo playing. We've talked a lot about you, Max. You're a great kid, but what's the big news? Uh, well, I, I'm lucky enough to have scored an affordable or below-market rate apartment. What in, the? Uh, hold on. Eagle Street. What the hell? You got and, an affordable uh, unit? I did. Well, technically, my, my, my lovely uh, partner did. She, she applied for it and works for the city, so she got a, a high preference. Works for the city? Oh. Works for the city. Scam. James, no, scam, great. right? Absolutely. It begins <laughs> at home, doesn't it? Oh, man. Cronyism begins at home. That's an inside <laughs> job, baby. Well, luckily we don't cover her her area. But anyways, what do you want to know? Well, I want to know how's the unit. For, describe the unit. It's yeah, start, loverly. Let's, let's start with the unit. Are, well, you an, are you an embarrassment to the other people who live in the building? Is it that kind That's of a right. unit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have uh, a separate door? Uh, no, it's a separate building. It's the poor building. Oh, the it's poor the building. Poor you live the in the poor building. I live in the poor building, which they built first. Uh, no, but, but I think and what James is saying is you're the guy in the building that all the other affordable tenants are like, oh, stay away from that guy. Let's wait. Oh, they start, love me. Can we start at the beginning here? I want to start yeah. at the beginning because it's a good place to start. Right? All right. All right. So what happens is we cover all of this quote-unquote affordable housing. Below market rate Below housing. Below market rate housing, whatever they want to call it. And we, we write about these, these buildings all the time. And I said to my staff, listen, who the hell gets into these buildings? Yeah. Can we find out? Hey, how about everyone here applies? And uh. I made all of my reporters who are basically below, below oh, they're market. They're below market rate. They're below market rate anyway. So I mean, you're running a sweatshop no, over here, great, Amos Ellie. They're great people. If anybody from the Department of Labor is listening, they are not running a sweatshop <laughs> here. A sweatshop. If anybody from the Department of Labor is not listening, Vince, you're running a sweatshop over I, here. We are not running a sweatshop. This is a fantastic place to work. But the fact of the matter is... And I like to say that, as you know, when I, when I don't Bottom know line. Bottom line. I don't know what to say. I asked them, well, all right, everybody apply. So that's when Max applied, all right? And this is for the Greenpoint. This is uh, yeah, which? Green, Greenpoint Landing. So this oh. is the Greenpoint Landing project. Is that the tall one? This is like 10 tall ones. But the building that Max is in, which I visited last night. You'll tell us all about it. Yeah, which I visited last night. Is only about eight stories high? Seven, yeah. Seven stories high? So they don't even give the poor a, a nice view. No, well, I have a great view right now. But Jimmy, can you put up that view? I, oh, I have a great view right now. In a, oh, in a, a nice couple view. years when they build the tower that's going to be in between me and the water, I will have a great view of my neighbor's bedrooms. Well, that could that could be good. Could you be get good binoculars. Too. Or a nice telescope, yeah. Yeah, you got those? Wow. Uh, no, but I could get yeah, them. They come or you can just give everybody else binoculars and then... You know, oh, I like that. I like the way James <laughs> brought that inward. Yeah, it's like, why should I look at someone else? Why don't I Turn entertain? I'm right an entertainer. Yeah. Right. You, you like what you see, honey? Come on over. Bring that market rate. You bring that market rate love over here, and we'll get down and dirty. <laughs> I, I, you know, I didn't know so, you order the pizza. So wait, just take us through the process. She fills out the form. What happens next? She fills out the form. Uh, then there's then there's the. Uh, the company, so, so the city doesn't actually do the lottery, but there is a lottery for this. And so they get like people who manage housing to conduct this lottery. And basically they take all the applications, they jumble them up, and then they assign them all a number one through X. No, I don't think it's through X. It's yeah, that would be a letter. The, one through the maximum number of people who applied. Okay. Uh, and then certain, certain groups get priority for these buildings. And it depends on the developer again there, but like this building, for instance, you, half the units were priority for people who live in the community board. Half, uh, 5% of the units, there were 98 units, so about five of them, uh, were for preference for people who work for the city, which is mm. where I fit into this mm. sort of. Not really. So if you're 5% of how many apartments? 98. Uh, well, you, you do, do the, the math. math. It's like so 20 apartments. Oh, right, right, right. No. 5% five, five no of 100 oh, apartments. Oh, five, 5. 5 apartments, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told you, don't let journalists uh, do math. <laughs> no, <laughs> don't. So anyways, they, they renumber all these things. Uh, and basically, they start at number one, and they call you, and they say, hey, we drew your name in the lottery. Come in. We need all of your taxes, all mm -hmm. of your income, your blood type, you know, all this crazy That's shit. That's how they prove you're um, affordable, you're to eligible. Prove, yeah. Right. So, um, and they start at one, and they just keep going until they fill the place. But the kind of key is that people who get preference actually get to get chosen before number one. So they push all the people, like, that live in the community board or that work for the city to the very front of the line. They draw those people first. Uh, for these, you know, 50 units that are set aside for community board members, for these five that are set aside for city people. And then if they can't fill those with the people who um, are receiving this preferential, you know, status, they go to everybody else who applies. Right, so it's like women and children on the Titanic. Yeah, it's, yeah, that's a good way to put it. No, it's not at all a good way to put it because <laughs> it's a sham. James, I've, I'm ashamed of you. It was illustrative. I'm not it was illustrative. You. It was a nice metaphor. But the fact is I'm a little outraged because if you work for the city, and granted, if you work for the city, that is public service, and I imagine your girlfriend, who is lovely, by the way, in every way, doesn't make that much. No. She meets the, the standard for affordable housing. But this is a little weird because there's an incentive for the city to build affordable housing, and if the people who are going to benefit from that affordable housing are city employees, 
i.e. maybe policymakers, right. there's like a Well, you got to ask yourself how many there. policymakers would, would, would be able to qualify for low-income housing. I mean, I don't have to ask myself. I'll ask you. How many? Let me get the let me get the payroll in front no, of No, but the point is, here. you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. if you're if you, it, it allows the city to say, oh no, 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 we're building affordable housing, and then it becomes like a vicious cycle. Uh, how about this? Wait, what was the what was what were the levels that you had to be at there for this particular apartment? Are you you want to talk percentages of area median income? No, 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 no I don't. Actual, like, don't want to talk. I want to know how much did you have to make? Yeah, for how, for two lo- people, for two people, myself and Ilana, uh-huh. uh, for a one bedroom, we had to make less. We had to make less than eighty five thousand. Less than eighty five thousand combined. Oh, that's combined. easy. That's easy. I can yeah, well, I can, I can make less so than eighty five thousand dollars in like for, five minutes. But for one person, it's it's lower than that. Right. Yeah, but hold on a second now. So you guys were on the – you were together on the – like you filled out the forms together because you are not married, but you are – We have a domestic partnership. A domestic partnership. Right. So I got to oh, I got to scam But you. if you did not have a domestic partnership, right, uh-huh. could she have just applied for it and then you moved in? Yes. Ooh. Ah. See, but you could game the system. Well, I don't know about that. I, I got another problem because I know you're going to get a job at the Daily News any day now, and your salary is going to double. No, that's are not you going to? No one's taking jobs at the Daily News. They, 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 they haven't. Speaking. They haven't called me back yet. They, st- <laughs> they steal your tuna. But what? Yeah, it is bad. I what heard, happens? I heard Zuckerman <laughs> took your tuna. <laughs> what happened? Oh, let me tell you something. That's true. I'm bringing the whole. I'm bringing the whole fucking car- house of cards down. No. It, what happens if you if you start making more money? You get a better job, maybe not better, because this is a great sweatshop. To You'll work never at. get a better job. <laughs> no, than but this. it's true. But You'll what if you get more money? Job. What if you get more pay? Yeah, I, we we can stay. You can, we can stay. stay. So whenever you renew your lease, you still have to give them all of this paperwork oh, okay. and nonsense. But it, it's just for I don't I don't really know what it's for. Actually, I should find out. But they do not kick you out if you're in if you've signed a lease and then your income exceeds the the, the limits. Well, that's ridiculous. Right, so it's, it's not like the North Korean Communist Party where you know you get a house and then if your income goes up, they kick you out. So you have a great incentive to not make any more money and do nothing. No, no, no. I have every incentive to make as much money as I can Excellent. now that we because your rent is basically stabilized. Now, it is right yeah. Yeah. now. This is a rent stabilized apartment that can only go up year to year for the amount of money that the that the city or state city the rent guidelines for the city allow it to go up so it could be like two or three percent or usually what is like what, what was it last year how much did they raised the rent I mean, well, De Blasio last, was, last year was flat. Last yeah. year was yeah, that's flat. Right. That's right. Yeah, I saw De Blasio's aide singing about that. Yeah, flat. Now you get like twenty-five years in there before they kick you out, or isn't there a time limit? Isn't there a sunset on? No, on I don't think so. No, it's on on our ability to stay there, or on the units being affordable. On the units being, is, don't they eventually? You know, I am told that they are permanently affordable. I asked the person when we were signing the lease what the deal was, but. I, I suspect there's got to be a sunset. I, I, I don't know. <coughs> you know, we're balancing, right. you're balancing two interests here, though, because obviously you want stable communities, and Max and Alana living there for 50 years is stable communities. But at the same time, over the next 20 years, Max, your, your income, and you don't know this because you're a kid, but I yeah. know it, it's going to double, maybe triple. So why do you I, get I an affordable that. unit? Why do you get an affordable unit with that big income in three years? Um, because that you're you're talking about spec- speculation, I could I could die in a year, and then why should we I definitely don't want you in that why, unit? Why, no, I think but why, but I why think should not be able to to take advantage of that unit now? Because who knows what I think what Gersh is saying? Sure, you should be able to take advantage yeah. of it now, but but ten years from now, you might be making twice as much money or three times as much. So if money. I was gonna okay, so and if I shouldn't gonna, that shouldn't that allow like the developers to raise the rent either on you to give you incentive to move out? I think one of the problems right. with with rent with uh, you know, subsidized housing. Run, run subs, rent subsidized housing, but the, there's there's two there's two different types of rent subsidies. There's rent stabilized and rent controlled. Mm. When you have a rent controlled apartment, you never leave. There is no incentive yeah. to leave because if you leave that apartment, you lose that you lose that rent control. You're out. It and you know. So there are people in New York City that that have two hundred, three hundred dollar rents because they've had it since the 1970s. You know, mm. and I think it's the same situation with. With you know this boom in in rent stabilized, where it's only going to go up two percent, is that enough to keep that building going? You know, twenty years from now, I don't I don't know, but it does give you a certain sense of uh, security that you can stay there yeah, for because you're not going to worry about your rent going well, up. You, you could you could make the argument in, that people the that people who, whose income doubles or triples will probably move to a different building of their own volition. I don't know about that. You got a good deal there. Yeah. And oh, I mean, yeah. It is a bulwark against gentrification in a sense, unless you yourself become the gentrifier. And I'm looking at you, Max Yeager, and I think you are you I, I ha, you are unto the gentrifier. But let's go wait, let's go with this. You moved from uh, you moved from an apartment literally right next to the, the toll booths for the battery tunnel, yes. correct? But between the toll booths and <laughs> the and the BQE uh, cresting over uh, Hamilton Avenue. And wow. what were you what were you paying for that apartment? That was 1300 1300 Now you move, that was moving on up to the big time, 
a deluxe apartment in the sky. Mm-hmm. Eight floors. All Six right. Yep. You're already taking the elevator up. You have the U-Haul. All right. How much is the new apartment? 1800 all right, so six hundred dollar increase. No, that'd be five hundred. But you're you're it's brand spanking <laughs> new. Give or take a hundred, man. You're, yeah. you're 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 really that's uh, okay, it. right? It's fine. So that's uh, like like fudge the limit. Three hundred each, an extra three hundred each a month. Now the real thing is: is it a force for gentrification, or is it you know is it a force for keeping your marriage stable over the next fifty years? Well, they're not married. <laughs> they're not married yet. And I got to tell you, Max and I have talked a lot about the marriage thing. Alana, if you're listening, I am count. I'm counseling him. Possibly for the worse. Possibly yeah. for the worse. You, you, know, I've had some <laughs> you don't want Gersh Kunstman counseling. No, you. let me tell you something. Gersh Kunstman banishes inhibition. And I'll tell you something. Inhibition will choke a marriage, Max. Like a <laughs> pair. <laughs> Twice. Uh, James, you ever been married? Oh, yes. Yeah, so does inhibition choke a marriage? No, but I'll, I will tell you that a rent-stabilized apartment can do wonders or terrors for a marriage. There's, there, is so nothing, that. there is nothing that, that sends a shockwave through the genitals, like having a, a rent-stabilized apartment. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's like you come home, hi, honey, I'm home. It's like we're living in a rent-stabilized apartment. Let's just do it. You know what I mean? You've been there, James. With, view, uh, with, with fantastic views. Yeah. <laughs> for a few years. And, and a lot of people with binoculars on the other buildings. we got to get out. Listen, I think it's great that Max... Because, Max, now you really have a chance to become a, a, a middle-class member of society. With the help of city subsidies, of course. But you're a good guy who won the lottery. And you're helping to stabilize your community. Right? Because I think... Loaded, you're, I would call you middle-class. But best of all, as soon as he moves into that apartment with all these shirts, he can bring them to any bar in Greenpoint and get them ironed for free on a Tuesday night. Mm, which I'm all about. Interesting. Yeah, yeah no, that's not looking no, at you. I expect you next week, you know, next few weeks, I expect you to come in looking sharp. Looking all right, looking guys, we got to get out. Yeah, a little bit better. we got to get out. Brad Lander's going to call us in a minute. And I'll tell you what he's going to call us about, Max. It's, it, the scam of affordable housing. No. Exclusive in the Daily News this week. I don't know if you saw this story. It's my beloved Daily News. They may steal my tuna, but they still report the news about Brooklyn Council people. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read it to you. Exclusive. Brooklyn Councilman seeks communication staffer to, quote, resist the threats, quote, of Trump policies. So that's a pretty provocative headline. It's like, right. what is that? Okay, here's, here's what it boils down to. A Brooklyn City Councilman is looking to hire a staffer to, quote, battle the Trump regime. Democrat Brad Lander, who will be on the show in a minute. Yeah. In an unusual job listing for a communications director that he posted on several em- employment websites. Craigslist? I don't know. I'll ask him. Okay. Said he's looking for someone to help, quote, resist the threats of the Trump regime to American democratic values and vulnerable constituencies, unquote. When not taking on the leader of the free world, n- not yet, by the way. He's not, officially Donald Trump <laughs> is not the leader of the free world for 15 more days. How'd they get that past you? I, I didn't edit this piece. <laughs> when not taking on the leader of the free world, the staffer will also do more mundane tasks like overseeing media strategy and communications according to the job posting. By, by the way, I don't find that mundane at all. I love a call from a, a communications expert. Lander told the news that he name-dropped President-elect Trump in the ad because people all over the city are, quote, hungry to be involved in upcoming fights over issues like climate change and immigration. Quote, and this is Brad Lander talking, people are genuinely worried and recognized that if we're going to be successful protecting people's rights, we're going to have to be organized and loud, he said. Now, just so you know, there's nobody more organized and loud than Gersh Kunstman. So I saw this article, no, and even though, it was, loud down. even though it was in the Daily News, Max Yeager and, J- and James Hook, even though it was in the Daily News where I work, I called up Brad Lander right away. And I said, tell me where to send the resume. And then I read the last paragraph of the story. Uh-oh. The listing does not include a salary, but Indeed.com, one of the employment sites it was posted on, estimated it to be in the sixty-one to $67,000 a year range based on offers for similar jobs. So, guys, hmm. 61 to 67, I can't do that. I'd have to, I'd have to move in with Max in the affordable unit. And yeah. you would qualify. I would qualify, definitely. <laughs> what do you think of that, 61, 67? Do you think I can get 80 out of Lander and then I do it? Yeah, you know, you're, you're going to have to go back to Medicaid dental facilities, but I think it's uh, worth it. I hope you're not talking about James Lichter. No, okay. Not. Joseph Lichter, what am I saying? <laughs> no, but the point I'm trying to make, Vince. Yes. If I go back to Lander and I say, look, you got to get me 80, all I'm doing is robbing Peter to, to pay Paul, and Peter being the poor of this city of New York. This is a public job. I can't be in public service like your, your, your girlfriend, Max. I cannot be in public service. Why can't you be in public service? Because I cannot live on $67,000 a year. I got two kids. Mm-hmm. I got an ex-wife. I got a lot of ladies out there who need me to buy them a drink. And if you're listening, 718-260-4502. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Max? These are real problems. 
but they shouldn't be problems. Public service is an honor. So are you saying the public servants need to be paid more? Does the communications person need to be paid more? Or, or maybe is this just a job that's I don't know. That's below I, you? I No. Not, first of all, no job is below me in public service. <laughs> but I would say this. The minute I say that public servants need to be paid more, is the, for a Brooklyn City Councilman Flack, you, you're never going to get more than 70000 And you shouldn't get more than 70000 like That seems like decent money. I don't think that's bad money. Well, now here's the thing. And we're going to talk to Landau about I mean, it's, not, it's not you know daily news money, but that's why you guys are going out of business. Well, that's what I'm talking about. So you can't justify paying a guy like me 80000 despite my vast skills. He's going to end up hiring some Fargan-faced 25-year-old who doesn't know about what they called the mundane uh, things like overseeing media strategy and communications. Nobody oversees media and strategy and communications like me. Gersh Kuntzman. I, I mean, you could you literally could hear crickets right there. For I a don't. Second. I don't think it's mundane. I think calling up Max Yeager to see what's you know to tell him what you what the guy's doing is uh, no. Yeah, if I was a great, it's a great this challenge. is the silver lining of their day though. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, you. <laughs> no, if I was seriously, if I was Lander's Flack, uh-huh. I would call up Max and say, Max, what's with this story? Lander was behind that. That was Lander. It's all Lander. And you'd be like, Lander, he was. We're talking about a state a state senate bill. I'm like, yeah, but it was Lander's bill. Get Lander in but there. But could you convince me? No, of course not. But it'd be like, it's Lander. Well, then you wouldn't be doing your job. <laughs> I'm only getting $67,000 a year. I don't want to do this job. <laughs> so 67000 is throwing is throwing the spaghetti at the wall, but it doesn't matter how much sticks. Uh, but something, something. I don't know what that meant. But James, did you get that metaphor? I did, actually. But I would call it the ceiling instead of the wall because I'm a, more of a cook. Wait, you throw you spaghetti at the ceiling? Yeah, throw it at the ceiling to see oh, if it's done, right? Oh, to see if it's done. We know you throw it at the wall. If it sticks up there, you know, it's done. No, yeah. if it sticks up there, then then you have to get a ladder. You throw it at the wall, James. A good cook is going to have a ceiling full of spaghetti. That's how you know you're in good oh, hands. okay. You maybe go you go to house. someone's house and it's like you look up at the ceiling. There's exactly. a lot of pasta up there. I'm safe. Well, maybe I'll be making that tuna later. Anyway, Brad Lander's going to call in a minute. But Vince, you've been oddly silent on this. Have you applied for this job? Are we going head to head? No, I've not applied for the Lander job. I have never uh, applied for a job in city government. I was once offered one years ago for the Red Hook, the South Brooklyn Development Corporation huh? by Betty Stoltz. Oh, the late, great Betty Stoltz. Uh, yeah, I went in there to write about By something. the way, Betty, if you're not dead, <laughs> call no, in. No, she, 718-260-4502. Sadly, Gersh, she died she last year. She did die. Okay. She did. Now, I, I actually almost got a public service job also. When Marty Markowitz became borough president of Brooklyn, I knew he had a larger-than-life personality. And believe it or not, he had a larger-than-life budget. He, the budget he had was $100,000, which at the time was pretty good. I was interviewing as I was walking out. One of the staffers led me. Oh, yeah, hey, honey, can you show him the door? I'm walking out with the staffer. She says, "Don't take the job." <laughs> she literally says, "Don't take the job," because it was apparently really difficult to work for Marty Markowitz. As much as I love him, he cycled through publicists. Remember, there was well, a period yeah, there he went through like that, five yeah. of them in, a, in 18 months. One of them would have been me. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean that happens? It happens with a lot of. Uh, of uh, well, you're oddly being respectful of Marty Markowitz. Does he own you? Does he own you? <laughs> I'm owned by Marty Markowitz. Yeah. Max, what do you think of this? He's like clamming up. It's like he's a, and now he's blushing. What does Marty Markowitz own you? I'm what does he I'm have on you? Yeah, I'm, I can't say. Well, I don't know. Anyway, Brad Landers is going to be joining us in a minute to talk about this development. Now, the larger question behind this, we're going to ask Brad, but Max, I'll obviously ask you: Do does Brooklyn need someone to help quote resist the threats of the Trump regime to American democratic values and vulnerable constituencies? I was wondering what his end game was with that posting. Well, I mean, is it Brooklyn's job? Are we the only ones who are going to fight the fight? No, no. And also, it's already happening. I mean, this is this is like the dome that we live under. But you know that California just hired Eric Holder. I would be more interested if, if uh, like, Heim Deutsch or somebody in Brighton Beach or Sheepshead Bay was trying to do this. Why? Because that that's be a popular Trump area? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that I think that would be more interesting. We're talking about Park Slope. Like, does who in Park Slope does Brad Lander need to convert? No, I think what he's – I think we'll get him on the phone. But I think what yeah. he's saying is that he wants a staffer who can focus – Local energy. And you know, Lander has already been leading that, I think it's called Energize BK or something like that. He's got a group that meets every Tuesday at Congregation Beth Elohim. Or they, other get, they get together and Yeah, and they, and they plot strategy. They've got, they've got working groups. It's a bit like the Park Slope Food Co-op in the sense they've got these committees that write papers and write letters and go to marches. And eventually, I, I think, get some stuff done. Okay. I mean, there was a lot of Do silence I, when I said I that. Well, that. You know, I'd have to bring in Ruth Brown. I didn't hear a question there. <laughs> No, yeah. I was just, I was just, I was just spitballing okay. here. Are James, we calling Lander? Or is Lander calling Lander's us? Lander's supposed to call us. 
Oh, so we're going to sit here and just wait. We're literally sitting here. All right, everybody be quiet. You know what we should do? Let's pay some bills before he calls. Let's do that. Yeah, we're going to pay some bills. Give me some uh, pay some bills music. So anyway, you're holding on for Brad Lander in a second. And Brad Lander's getting older. And when he gets older, he doesn't need health care that gets personal. And I'm talking about Village Care Max. It's a Medicaid-managed long-term plan that helps you stay in your home as long as possible. Because it's a team of healthcare professionals that work with your doctor, help you set up appointments, organize your care, your monitor, your medications, the whole bit. Working together, they'll let you live the life you want to live. Village Care Max is 800-469-6292 or visit them at villagecaremax.org. I tell you, the life I want to live is the life you live when you go to Atlas Steakhouse, which offers delicious you life, a rich it's, life, it's, a it's sweet a, life. It is, it's a wonderful, tender. All, all the great things about a steak. Okay. Because it's a unique dining experience. First, you choose your steak, and every cut is aged to tender perfection. Then you pair it with the vintage from their extensive wine list or with an Atlas Steakhouse signature cocktail. Enjoy a succulent appetizer as their master chef crafts your choice cut as you desire. And when your main course arrives, you'll understand why at Atlas Steakhouse, they always offer you a cut. Above the rest. Atlas Steakhouse, 943 Coney Island Avenue. Visit them online at atlassteak.com. And last but not least, after you eat that steak, you might want to go get a cleaning. And I'm talking about a tooth cleaning from Dr. Joseph Lichter. He's got quality care at affordable prices. You don't get that combination in dentistry, people, almost anywhere in Brooklyn. But you do at Dr. Joseph Lichter's office at 1420 Avenue P in Midwood. You can visit him online at josephlichterdds.com or you can call him at 718-339-7878. And do so because if you want the Invisalign adult braces, usually you pay $5,000. You mention my name. You mention Vince's name. You mention Jimmy, our producer. You're going to get it for $4,000. Yeah, or Johnny. Or Johnny. Anyway, so call Lichter today. 718-339-7878. You set up an appointment at his office in Midwood. Or go online, josephlichterdds.com. Yeah. That's great that we paid the bills. No, I'm good. We got that now done. now we're completely clear for the phone call from Brad Lander, who, just, as you know, and we've been talking about it, if you're just joining us after the commercial break, James Hook is with us, who is leading the Greenpoint Gratitude Tour for the North Brooklyn Ironers. Iron, iron workers? No, it's just ironers. Ironers, I, ironers union. union, yeah. They're going to be uh, on Tuesday. Well, Sunday, they're going to be at the Diamond that night, Sunday night. And on Seven, Tuesday, yeah. they're going to be at Pete's Candy Store, where I will be hopefully bringing a young lady. And some dirty shirts. Yeah, no, not dirty. Not just dirty. Crumpled no. shirts. No, they should be laundered. They can be dirty. I mean, you know, the iron tends no. to uh, release aromas, though, so it can be a fairly unpleasant ah, experience. Okay. So really while we're waiting for Brad Lander to call, and it doesn't look like he is, uh, James, tell us the worst experience you've had as an ironer. Uh, you know, I did have one experience of a of a of a a woman who came and in, in an inebriated mode removed much of her clothing and wanted it ironed. And I had a robe, but she seemed to Wait, resist it. What's and the it problem was, there? What's the problem there? You know, it was just a little embarrassing, I think, for the other people who were take were you know they wanted their shirts ironed very seriously. Wait, this happened. She just thought it was for yucks and giggles. You know, this happened at one of these events. Yeah, it happened at Pete's Candy Store. It was very late at night. She also didn't speak very good English, so it was a little confusing if she understood what was actually. Oh, I happening. think she was speaking the language you all speak, James. Yeah, We're banishing inhibition and guilt this year. That's Gersh Kunstman's resolution. Apparently and it was I hers. Uh, exactly. And I would have met her halfway. Or in my case, uh, you know, I don't know where I was Bull going. Frontal. Bad, 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 bad. <laughs> yeah, I would have met her halfway, James. James, you're married still, right? Indeed. Yeah, so there, that was an inhibition there. See, I think marriage is the ultimate inhibition. Because you're not going to sleep with somebody else. And I was married for 14... Well, I was married for 10 good years, and I was married for 14 years. Yeah. And not a single time, Max Yeager, did I cheat on my wife or think about cheating on my wife. Which, and I'm not... Why did you address that to Max? Uh, because he's going to get married. Uh, across, yeah. No, no, but the point is... <laughs> and sitting across. You can see him. No, but here's the thing, James. And I'm not saying... I'm not holding myself out as some kind of bargain. I'm no bargain. No. <laughs> right. No, but but when I was married... <laughs> I just, you, Johnny. I never had... Jimmy. I never had the instinct to cheat on my wife. It just wasn't in the DNA. Mm-hmm. And now I'm not married, and I just, I, I just want to be out there. I want just out there. I want to banish inhibition and guilt. I think you've done that, Gersh. Yeah, for me, but I want to do it for all of you people. You want everyone to follow in the footsteps of Mr. Kunz. No, no, no. I want everybody to follow in his or her own footsteps and find your dream. And when I'm talking about dream, I'm obviously talking about James Hook. Bring your crumpled clothing 
and we will press it. Yeah, and and uh, not only will we press, press it, to play. but also folks who have a desire to learn how to iron clothes in public, they're encouraged to come down and learn the trade, and then they can take it into their own neighborhoods and start an ironing revolution on their own. What is the What are the dues in the ironers' uh, union? I was going to ask No that. dues at present, and if you come to the meeting, you actually do get a beer special on the diamond and a free button. So right now, the wow. bargain is very high. So it seems like the union, is, pay- the union is paying you to iron. Hmm. The union is basically paying you in the form of beer and buttons to iron and pleasure. Uh, no dues yet, but eventually when we, you know, mm. when we have a big, uh, when we choose to have a collective action that's going to require some dues, we'll probably have to have some dues. Does you, wait, does the union have like a, a newsletter or anything like that? No, not yet. We just have a website. Website? website. Oh, what's the website? Iron, BrooklynIronersUnion.org. Have, wow. have we mentioned that on the show? No, no we, we should have mentioned, mentioned that. We like something we should have brought up. Yeah, Brooklyn, we solve life's pressing website. problems. Is that the slogan? Yeah, indeed. Oh, Brooklyn Ironers. IronersUnion.org. But, you know, this does have a very serious... Is, uh, that, is that a non-profit? It's a non-profit. Yeah, it does have care. a very serious end game. I mean, we're using ironing to uh, engineer a new community. And once this community is uh, solid, then we can apply this community to any problem that the world has. It may not necessarily be an ironing problem, but ironing will be the entree to this problem. Oh, so it's kind of what Lander is doing with, with the Trump communications director. In other words, we've identified a problem and we want to come together. Indeed. I'm looking at this logo, yeah. which I love, by the way. Logo is great. I love it. Why looks like they're flattening it? New York City. We're flattening New. We're pressing New York City. We're, we're taking city. this crumpled now, place and now smoothing I'm, I'm it out. Now I'm guessing that's like an iron from like the 1930s. That's where that I'm going to go with. That looks to be an early sunbeam. Mm. An early sunbeam. Nice. Yeah. That's I'm, a very I'm thinking good brand. 40s. I'm thinking 40s. Probably 40s. You know that is probably not a steam iron either. Mm. You're gonna. You're not gonna make a lot of headway with that iron. It looks electric. It's got. It's, it's electric. Yeah, but it doesn't have a steam reservoir. You know, it's just purely just a. It's just heat. It's just a hot thing. Yeah. It's just providing heat to the and you think you need that water. You need that little extra. Better off with like you know a humidity. spit and a rolling pin when you look at that iron. Where did you get two seventy eight? Uh, I have no idea. Yeah, it's it's local it was a free number. Free number. No, but I'm interested, James. You you do obviously steam and press. Uh, yeah, right? I do steam. I, I I I'm not I'm not as interested in steaming as ironing, but in a pinch I'll steam. I have a steamer. No, my point is your iron is one of those. Ones oh, that must you can't iron without a steam iron. Is that really Come true? On, you know, nobody true? lives in the dark ages anymore. No, we we iron with steam irons almost exclusively. Because. Because that's, uh, that's the old BQE, too. Yeah, so, oh, yeah, 278, BQE. Yeah. Yeah, there you that's go. a coincidence? Oh, it, it probably was there in the subconscious memory banks. And nice. It came out. It worked out. Paint the word picture there, Vince, about the logo. Oh, it's, it's, have you ever seen an iron from, like, the 1920s? Yeah, sort of. That's or what it looks 40s. like. Really? Okay. That's what it looks like. I mean, I got to thank uh, James Hook for even coming on the show. Because the fact is, last time we had him come here and he, we made him iron, like, 15 shirts. Today, it's just more casual conversation about sex and and, and inhibition what and kind guilt. of crowds you get at the uh, at, at the union so, uh, benefits? So, you know, we got a guy uh, last week who brought in three shirts. He brought in a, a fairly difficult to iron, very lightweight cotton shirt. And then he brought in a very fancy shirt. And he, he sort of brought it as a challenge. It was like throwing down a gauntlet. Like, can you not damage my $300 hand tailor shirt? We did a bang up job. And then he brought in a real lousy shirt that he wanted to have the experience of ironing himself. And I was able, you know, one of the one of the great pleasures of this public ironing is you get to put on these headphones and, and, and select music. And you find that these shirts will actually talk to you, and they'll mm. they'll they'll give you an impression of the kind of music they want. Like a black shirt, you know, might might be Night on Bald Mountain or some kind of a, a big uh, dramatic uh, finale. So he was able to select a piece of music and iron the shirt, and he went away. And I gotta say, I think he he was bitten by the same bug that I was bitten on. Uh, realizing that public ironing is actually a great way to get your ironing done and have a good time and meet other people. Yeah, if you're just joining us and you want to call in seven one eight two six zero four five zero two, James was talking earlier about. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, maybe only five years from now, you're going to go to a bar and you're going to be surprised if you don't see someone ironing shirts. Exactly. In the future, it's going to seem so commonplace. We're going to wonder that there was a a dark day when we actually didn't have this kind of stuff. You know, when I iron, I like to listen to the theme from the Bad News Bears. Which is what, Vince? The theme from the Bad News Bears. How's that go? You know the theme from the Bad News Bears. Wait, the TV show or the movie? The movie. The I first one, I the don't second. know. Yeah, the, the original. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, That's good. Oh, that's a good theme. Yeah. James, you got that, Jimmy? James, give me an example of something that we now take for granted at a public place that 50 years ago maybe my my parents would have been like, 
Yo, that's crazy talk that that's going to happen. No, I, I don't know if that's the, the best example, but you know, we all go to we go we go to France and we sort of marvel at the fact that these people get their teeth cleaned for free, and we're like, our country could never provide that. But I feel like this is our way of fighting back and saying, you know, let's show the French that we could become the kind of society that irons for free, mm. and then they'll take a look at America and they go, like, look, they can do it over there. Why can't we do it in France? So, so there's plenty of things that are a public benefit, and that's really what public irony is about: is to try and take this private chore and redefine it as a public benefit. So you just read this thing by Landers. My hope is that 10 years from now, there will be a line item in the Brooklyn Borough budget that's just for public ironing, and it becomes a public service of the state. Wow. Wow. Who's going to lobby for that? The Ironers' well, Union? the Ironers' Union. You know, that's where we're trying to build it up. And, you know, wow. we'll, we'll see if we can get it successful. We'll start at the very local right, level. Hold on. We have a professional journalist in the room. Max Yeager, you're a journalist. If suddenly you're going through the borough president's budget, line item and by you line see like $700,000 for borough-wide ironing initiative, the BWI, what are you going to say as a journalist? This is the greatest story of all time. Well, but are you going to say <laughs> this is a, a, a fair expenditure? I, I would be. I would be pretty critical of that, because you be. feel it's a, it's not a it's not a valid social expenditure. Right. Okay. Well, yes. I would. I would question its validity. I. I you. You maybe could convince me, but yeah. Well, what if well, you're what if you're a, a less fortunate person, and you want to go? You want to get a, a a white collar job, but you just don't look the part. Or what? And I'm talking about just your clothes. I'm not talking the color of your skin. I'm just talking about the content of your character and the clumsiness, the crumbliness of your shirt. Right. And it's suddenly, I walk into a bar, James Hooks is there, he irons my shirt, I go on that job interview and I nail it, despite the beer breath on my uh, on my throat. That's that's a public service. Now, are you listening to Jennifer Lopez? Because that's what she did. You know, she would go into Macy's all the time before she got famous, and she would use the free makeup facilities there before she there went to job go. interviews. That was good stuff. thinking. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, but yeah, but James, that's a bad example because what if I said there's going to be a borough-wide makeup initiative in the borough president's right, office? Well, I guess yeah. to, to get to your question, Gersh, I think I would I would respond that um, ironing could probably help people land jobs, but there are certainly other programs that would be more successful. Than Fair that. enough. I think the better way to tackle that would just to be a purely economic uh, value. Like if we if we atomize ironing so that ironing is every family needs to have their own ironing board and their own iron, we are putting an expense upon our society that could be tr put somewhere else. Whereas if we collectivize this notion mm -hmm. where bars are the places where they have an ironing board, the ironing board is put to maximum use by a maximum number of people, money is saved for ironing overall, and that money can be reapplied to something else. You I know, think that's how you. Make I am the company. iron board. The iron board. I'm coming around on this. On that one. See? I there am coming. Go. At first, I was like, no, 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 <laughs> and now as he's describing it, because not for nothing, last time he came in here, I was inspired, and I went out to Bed Bath and Beyond, and I paid like ninety dollars for an ironing board, right? Because you remember the crappy one I let you use. Exactly. You were like, this is this is this is. That was my ironing board, Vince. It was a disgrace. No, yeah, it was, was a disgrace. It yeah, I got that online. It was very cheap. Well, it was still, it was as bad as the one I have at home. I went out and spent $100 on an ironing board. And now, honestly, I got no place to put it. I got it, like, hanging in my basement. And it probably gets used, you know, what, two hours a month, if that? No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Really? That little? How much do you iron? I mean, honestly. Look, he's wearing a permanent press shirt right now. Oh, yeah, this you know, is a bowling so. shirt from my days at sudo.com. Yeah, I, I, try, I try to wear shirts that aren't ironed. And I think the concept of getting out there. And hanging out with people and having your clothes ironed at the same time, that's a public good. All right, all right we got to get out. Listen, James Hook, we have spent an, an almost an entire hour, other than the detour from my sex life and Max uh, Yeager's uh, affordable unit, we've spent pretty much an hour talking about the Ironers Union and the Greenpoint uh, Gratitude Tour that start, has already started and will continue Sunday at the Diamond and Tuesday at Pete's Candy Store where I will be there with crumpled shirts. So we're very happy. But if this comes to fruition, how much should an ironer get paid? Like what would be the yearly no, salary? I, now this is one very important thing. I have determined that ironing should, ne should always remain in the world of barter because it is simply by uh, eluding the commodification of something that it can its 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 definition can continue to grow and expand. The minute mm -hmm. it's commodified, it's sealed into a little box and it can only grow in a certain direction. So okay. we will never take money. We'll take a tip, but we will never take an actual rate or an exchange oh. to iron your clothes in public. Well, that's yep. different from yeah. other union workers. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You got to get paid a fair day's work for a fair day's pay. You're, you're destined which to is fail. not what Max Yeager's getting here at the Brooklyn Paper. But anyway, you will we got to get out. We want to thank James Hook, Hook, James Hook for coming on the show, and we want to not thank Brad Lander for not calling in when he said he would call in, despite the fact that, A, I've applied for the job of communications director at his office, and yep. B, celebrated the fact that he is seeking a communications director to fight the Trump regime. I wonder what he's afraid of, Gersh. I don't know. Anyway, we talked about my tuna. We talked about Vince's choking on a pair. We talked about Max Yeager. I am Gersh Kunzman of these New York Daily Newses, and Vince, of course, the handsome man to my right, 
editor-in-chief of the Brooklyn Paper. Yes. Jimmy, our producer, thank you. And I want to thank Joseph Lichter, DDS, Atlas Steakhouse, and of course, VillageCareMax.org. We'll see you next week. You better.